Politics, Politics, and Life Sciences Radio, also known as PLS Radio, is a show about the interplay of life sciences and politics. PLS Radio is hosted by Dean L. Finelli, Ph.D., an intellectual property attorney in Washington, D.C., whose practice focuses on issues connected to the life sciences industry. PLS explores cutting-edge topics involving the biotech and pharma ecosystems, political and governmental policy issues affecting the biotech and pharma industries, and much more. PLS guests include scientists, business, medical professionals, media personalities, newsmakers, and political leaders. Politics and Life Sciences Radio is your place for hot topic discussions and real news in the life sciences industry. Now, it's time for Politics and Life Sciences Radio with your host, Dr. Dean L. Finelli. Good afternoon. This is Dean Finale with Politics and Life Science Radio. Thank you for joining us where we talk about all the issues in the life science industry and the politics that affect it. I am very happy today to have as our guest, Mr. Andrew Lieb of Lieb at Law PC. Uh, We'll talk to Andrew in a few minutes, but before we do, let's check out what's going on in the life science industry. Uh, The vaccines, mandates, kids going back to school, booster shots, Vaccines for children, 5 to 11, a lot of news out there, a lot of issues, and people are still very, very uh, against the idea of having a vaccine forced uh, against them or to them by the government or by their employers. 72% of unvaccinated Americans said they'd rather quit their job if their vaccines were mandated, which is Pretty surprising uh, to have a number that high, but nonetheless, you know, there are a lot of reasons why people who aren't vaccinated may be hesitant. And I think, you know, this has become or is so politicized, it's been really frustrating. You can imagine someone perhaps that, you know, had COVID uh, in the spring, March, April, uh, didn't get a vaccine. Now they have natural immunity. There's data out there showing that natural immunity is actually more effective Uh, than immunity imparted by the vaccines. I'm in no way suggesting people take that chance and, you know, risk getting the the virus to acquire natural immunity as opposed to the vaccines. The vaccines are definitely saving thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lives and certainly keeping a lot of people out of the hospital. So um, not suggesting people make that distinction. But of course, if someone has come across the virus and been infected, they will have natural immunity. That's why I think a lot of people may have a legitimate scientific reason for not wanting to get vaccinated. Certainly, we can imagine, you know, in a less um, pandemic-like situation, the annual flu shot. If someone experienced the flu, got the flu, and went to a doctor, a doctor wouldn't say, come back in a month and let me give you a flu shot. So nonetheless, I think the important thing that I just want to stress again is You know, the vaccines are very safe. They're very effective. Uh, People should get the vaccines. You know, there are reasons why people may not want to get the vaccines. But overall, generally speaking, uh, the vaccines, you know, are very effective. And, you know, I would hope people would consider uh, who are still skeptical finding information to convince themselves to get the vaccines. Because when you look at the potential risks associated with getting the virus, even though in many cases, Uh, It is correct to make the argument that it's a low risk. 
Uh, the risk is certainly not zero. We're seeing very healthy people get very sick, wind up in the hospital and pass because of the virus. Uh, in New York, uh, a judge suspended New York state vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. A federal judge issued a temporary restraining order on Tuesday, suspending New York state from enforcing its vaccine mandate uh, if healthcare workers claim a religious exemption. Now, one of the things uh, historically when we're talking about uh, labor law, you know, if, you, if you're making requirements of your employees, uh, there have to be reasonable accommodations. And in certain instances, uh, a legitimate religious belief uh, could be a uh, legitimate exemption. So a judge have provided a temporary restraining order uh, suspending this. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, when we talk about vaccines, another big issue is vaccines for children. As we know, the Pfizer vaccine is currently available for uh, individuals 12 and older. Uh, they are testing vaccines for children 5 to 11 and even younger than that. Uh, former FDA head, uh, Dr. Gottlieb, Scott Gottlieb, indicated that in his opinion, based on what he's seen, it's likely that we could see a authorization for vaccinations for children ages 5 to 11 uh, sometime in the October, November timeframe. So that's been a big concern uh, of a lot of parents getting kids back to school. Uh, you know, there's a lot of controversy on masks amongst kids, uh, but the vaccines will certainly, uh, once available, will provide a lot of comfort to a lot of parents. Uh, I'd like to bring on our featured guest, uh, Mr. Andrew Lieb, the managing attorney of Lieb at Law. Uh, Andrew's practice focuses on litigation and regulatory compliance. He provides a wide range of legal services throughout the New York metro area on topics such as real estate brokerage, uh, compliance, fair housing and discrimination litigation, employment disputes, residential and commercial landlord tenant needs. And An Andrew also does discrimination prevention trainings for companies and discrimination litigation. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. Andrew, thank you for joining us today. I'm thrilled to be here, Dr. Finelli. I think that this is important times in the life sciences and throughout the entire country. Well, thanks so much. You know, we've been hearing so much of talk about mandates, federal mandates, state mandates, employer mandates, and of course, you know, people who don't want to get the vaccine it seems almost reflexive that they're saying these are unconstitutional, these are illegal, no one can force me to get a vaccine. What is the law on mandates? Can the federal government or state government or employers force American citizens and employees to get a vaccine? So it's a loaded question the way you put it. So I want to break it down into subparts because you previously discussed what's called a sincerely held religious belief, and there's also health exceptions. But let's start off with the floor. In 1905, there was a U.S. Supreme Court, court case called Jacobson v. Massachusetts. And in that case, Massachusetts had a mandate for vaccines. In fact, they have criminal penalties if you didn't get the vaccine. And that went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said the state can have a vaccine mandate. So the baseline under which we have to go for this whole entire conversation is that vaccine mandates are allowed. That all being said, Dr. Finelli, as you mentioned, there has to be what's called accommodations available. And so just to clarify, and I think this is very important, 
I know they use the word religious exemption, but it's really in a religious accommodation. If you were to read the Northern District of New York's case where they shot down New York State's health care mandate, they didn't give a TRO about making everyone get an exemption. They said that health care facilities have to give accommodations to those that have sincerely held religious beliefs. Yeah, thanks for clarifying. That is an important distinction. So when you when you mentioned the the case in Massachusetts at the state level, would that mean that state governors can mandate, but the federal government cannot? Or would that apply to the federal government, meaning the Biden administration? Would they also be allowed to have a federal mandate? So I'm going to tell you what I say to clients when they call me, because I'm getting inundated with calls left, right, every day. Because this is what we do. We do discrimination law failure to accommodate in employment, in real estate, that's my big topic. And so what I want to start off with is, can you win a battle or can you win a war? So when we talk on the battle level, it's possible Biden can't issue a vaccine mandate. It's possible the federal Congress can't issue a vaccine mandate. It's possible a state governor can't issue a vaccine mandate. But it is 100% solid that a state legislature can issue a vaccine mandate. Why do I say it like that? As I'm sure you know with the Supremacy Clause, it's unclear, and the Commerce Clause, and the amendments to the Constitution, it's unclear whether it's a state's decision or it's a national decision when it comes to vaccine mandates. So that's an open question, whether interstate commerce allows the federal government to create it. And then the secondary question, when you use the word Biden, using his name, the presidency, the executive branch, that's a distinction from the Congress. And so then the question becomes, did the Congress give the Biden administration the power, namely OSHA? And we look at a corollary to what happened recently when you were seeing the um, Centers for Disease Control, CDC, issuing moratoriums on eviction. That went to the Supreme Court. And the reason it was overturned is they didn't have the power. So the question becomes on the federal level, does the Biden administration have the power? And even if they don't have the power, would the Congress have the power? But we're quite sure that state legislatures have the power. That's very interesting. Now, when we talk about, you mentioned discrimination, And earlier when I was going through some of the stories uh, before we started speaking, you know, I mentioned people that may have gotten the virus recently and may have natural immunity. Now, there's certainly data out there they can point to that shows natural immunity is just as effective or maybe even more effective than immunity imparted by the vaccines. Would would a person have a, a discrimination, a plausible discrimination case uh, if they were to say, you know, look, I'm not getting the vaccine, not because I don't believe in it, not because I don't want it, but because I'm, I have a case in my hand or I have data in my hand that shows the immunity that I have is far superior than the immunity from the vaccine. Is, would that be a compelling argument? Well, I want to unfold that in two different ways. First of all, saying that I already am qualified, I'm already safe, I'm already okay, isn't a health issue. Now, if you say, I'm already okay, and here's the negative health aspects of the vaccine, potentiality is that you could say I have a disability that allows me to get an accommodation. So there's a slight potentiality, but I want to go into two aspects of it. First of all, 
Yeah, there's data about anything out there. I'd be curious, you know, you're doing a show on life sciences, so I understand that you would know what meta-analyses are and et cetera. So I wonder how the general consensus is on that data as well, and I don't know one way or the other. But what I would say to you is <clears throat> let's assume that data is accurate. Let's assume that data is good. You will never qualify for a sincerely held religious belief based on that data. And the reason is that a sincerely held religious belief, as explained by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, can never be a politics-driven thing, a philosophy thing. It has to be a ultimate ideas about life, death, and overall the way you want to live. So it's less about when you bring politics into it, it becomes sketchy. Now, when it comes to the health, again, and I consulted with someone yesterday with a very similar story that you're bringing up, Dr. Finelli. He said he had got COVID. He said his immunity levels were very high. Albeit, I will point out that certain people that have immunocompromised that got COVID did not get those antibodies as you're discussing. But let's assume they do. I said to him, go to your doctor and have your doctor say you have a health issue with getting the vaccine. It's not that I don't need it. It's that it would be a detriment for me based on my disability status to have it. We are talking with Mr. Andrew Lieb on Politics and Life Science Radio. Andrew, there's a lot of people that are just up in arms over vaccines for children, mask mandates, shifting to, you know, from vaccine mandates to mask mandates. You know, that would seem less invasive to me than obviously getting stuck with a vaccine. Is there a distinction between a, a, a school board, for example, or even a, a, a state legislature saying we want to have a mandate to have all children going back to school to wear a mask. Would that be a separate well, bucket than the vaccine? Dr. Finelli, you hit something home, and I just want to talk on a personal level first, because I got two kids going to school. And I want to tell you about this morning. It's actually kind of interesting. I have a two-year-old that goes to daycare. And I don't know if you know, but some two-year-olds don't know where the toilet is, much less about masks. Then my, my two-year-old goes pee-pee in the diaper. That's what he does. And so when you try and get him to wear a mask, it's a disaster. As of today in New York, two-year-olds and older have to wear masks. So this was a major predicament. We tried to get him to wear a mask. I'm expecting I might have to leave your show because it's possible I have to go and pick him up from school for him not wearing his mask. He says, no, 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 no. So it's a major issue dependent on the age. That's a personal story. And I want to echo something because I, I don't want it to get lost in translation from our prior conversation. There's a big political conversation of whether mask mandates and vaccine mandates should be required and if whether you tell someone to do something is actually effective in the first place. So I get the liberty aspect of that as well. But I'm just speaking not as a politician but as a lawyer. And what I would tell you is when you look at Title VII or the American with Disabilities Act, which is really the key laws that we're going on here, it's about whether there's a workplace policy, practice, or procedure, and whether you want to have an exception from that, which is called an accommodation. And so a mask policy and a vaccine policy would be exactly the same under the law. Because the question becomes, do you have a sincerely held religious belief? Do you have a health issue for disability rights? And do you qualify for an exception? Not if the policy is legitimate on its face. Interesting. So where, where do you think are, we're going with this when we see, you know, these parents that are just, you know, irate over masks and are we going to see a lot of litigation or do you think at some point parents are just going to be 
you know, conciliatory and say, all right, well, I ha- my kid needs to be educated. If I want him in that classroom, I need to have a mask on him. So two parts about that one as well. I don't know if you saw that Indiana University was one of the first schools to require vaccinations. And they had a case that went to the Seventh Circuit, and then Judge Barrett, a conservative justice, refused to overturn the Seventh Circuit. So that stood as the model. And in the Indiana University, it's Cleason is the name of the case. In the case, what they said, basically, I'm paraphrasing, if you don't like the rule, go to a different school. So you're actually saying something like what the Seventh Circuit said. Now, to digress from that, are we going to see lots of cases? A hundred percent, but not the way people are thinking it. People are thinking that we're going to have big, grandiose cases. Does Biden have the power? Does your governor have the power? Is this right? Are we going to get a stop? And yeah, those cases will happen because there's political attorneys on both sides that fight everything the other side does. But the real battlegrounds is on the individual level. And the real battleground on the individual level is because an accommodation needs to be determined on a case-by-case basis, following what's called the interactive process federally, or if you're in a place like New York City, the cooperative dialogue, which is like a quasi-mediation, where the person who says, I qualify for an accommodation, sincerely held religious belief or a health issue, that person says, I request this change to your policy. Maybe I don't want to get vaccinated, but I'll wear a mask. I'll stay away from people. I'll get tested twice a week. And if they can't come to a solution there, then the employee, the student, the I don't know if you saw, there's a guy that is making a requirement for all of his tenants to get vaccinated. The landlord, the tenant, then the tenant, the employee and the student bring a lawsuit called a failure to accommodate lawsuit, which says it's irrelevant about your intent, but you didn't give me an accommodation I'm able to get by law. And now I'm seeking compensatory damages, punitive damages, and I want my attorney paid for in the process. That's where the lawsuits are going to be. So if I can just understand, because I think this is an important nuance, you're, you're not, no one's going to be able to strike down a mandate, but what they can do is they can attack the lack of availability of an accommodation to that mandate for a religious or a medical reason. Is that kind of a proper way to paraphrase that? So that's 100% the way to paraphrase it on the war. On the battle level, they may be able to say this governor at this situation, this, this president at this situation didn't have the power. But if a legislature speaks and they say there's a mandate, there's no way. If there's an employer that speaks and they say there's a mandate, there's no way they're going to win. But on the individual level that you didn't give me the right accommodation, oh, my God, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits. Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. I think this was really important because it's just such a hot topic today, this week, and it's an ongoing topic that we're going to continue to hear in the news. And thank you for shedding some light on that. Uh, Where could people go if they want to, if they have questions on this? I'm sure a lot of people, uh, as you mentioned, are, are really concerned about this. Where can they go to reach you for more questions? So I'm going to tell you the best thing to do, because I've been answering these questions for the masses on our blog. I actually have a question from yesterday. What is the sincerely held religious belief on there? Because people don't know what these things mean. All you got to do is go to blog.liebatlaw.com. Lieb is L-I-E-B-A-T-L-A-W.com. And you could search everything and you'll find my contact there. Perfect. Thanks so much for that information. And thank you for joining us today. This was very enlightening. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening to Politics and Life Sciences Radio with Dr. Dean L. Finelli. For more information, check us out at facebook.com slash politics and life sciences. 